Hey! Welcome to the CGOE Sports Show Podcast. On this episode, Kelly Moore does a lot of the heavy lifting. He's down in Florida talking to some Bomber hopefuls at their minicamp. Lucky Whitehead, Michael Thompson, both have spent time in the NFL. Kelly has talked to both of them, so you'll hear those conversations as well as my conversation with the hero of Game 7 for the Portage Terriers. Reese Henry scored the overtime winner to get them their eighth Turnbull Cup in 12 years. You'll hear that as well on the podcast. The number of eventual CFLers that come out of mini camps is not substantial. Brandon Alexander, Javon Santos, Knox are two names that have recently found work with Winnipeg after coming out of this camp. But a name to keep on your radar is Lucky Whitehead, a former NFL receiver slash returner, really more returner. It was released by the Dallas Cowboys after an arrest on a petty larceny charge that he didn't have anything to do with. Turns out someone else used his identity while committing the crime, and while he was eventually exonerated, his NFL career still came to an end. Now he's at this minicamp, hungry for a second chance, and our Kelly Moore caught up with Lucky earlier today. Okay, at uh, Bomber Free Agent Camp, and I don't, should I refer to you as Lucky, or should I refer to you as Rodney Darnell? I, no, last no, no. I saw, you were thinking about making Lucky legal. I am. I'm still doing that, so yeah. Lucky it is. Yeah. Uh, first off, I guess, let's talk a little bit about the path that led you here to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, well, my path, as far as I was, I played for Dallas for two years. I went down to, to New York and played down there. Uh, I had a couple injuries down there. And now uh, I kind of been just training, uh, trying to stay focused, trying to keep my head down, and then just stay ready. After the impression that you made with the Dallas Cowboys, were you surprised that it was only the New York Jets, and then your phone hasn't rang since then? Or you know, what would be your take on that, Lucky? Uh, it was a little surprising, but I had a lot of injuries that I had to that I had to uh, get over with. Uh, once I physically got ready to play, I, I started getting a little trouble off the field. So I had to, I had to clean that stuff up. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm glad I got a call. Yeah, did you feel like it was a, a second chance when the Blue Bombers did call that uh, uh, you've got an opportunity now to do something that you really love to do? Yes, it was definitely a a great, you know, it was a, a great conversation, uh, me and Ryan, when he called. Um, I was definitely excited for the opportunity to come down here. And... Um, I'm excited, I mean, right now to be out here right now. I'm learning on the fly, and um, I'm definitely just glad I got a second chance. I'm not sure how much he can say of that conversation, but was there any trigger point? Was there anything, he, one thing he said, I'm talking about Ryan Ringmaiden, that made you think, okay, this is going to be a good fit for me? Uh, he just said it was. he liked my, my style of play, my speed, um, and um, just wanted to make sure I was healthy. And... Uh, you know, I kind of want to make sure too as well. That's kind of different when I'm by myself working out or with other quarterbacks working out. I'm not kind of running as hard. Uh, I try to, you know, just keep it keep it clean for me. Like I said, as far as those injuries, I had a hamstring injury that I was dealing with, and it messes with you mentally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because those are very tricky. So, I mean, I feel great now, and I'm, I'm just glad to be out here. There was the physical injury to overcome, but there was also the injury of misidentification to overcome. And, and how yeah. how challenging was that on you, Lucky, with how that played out 
in Dallas and you've been exonerated and, and you know the charges have been dropped and yet you had to defend yourself and, and lost your job uh, along the way. Yeah, it was definitely hard. It was a you know it was a close friend, and uh, I it was just a close friend. It was a close friend. Yeah, I found out um, who, who took your identification yeah, and. <laughs> Yes, sir. So it was kind of, it was a, just a messed up situation that I didn't really get the chance to, you know, clear my name before I was released. Um, but, you know, they say everything happens for a reason, you know, and, uh, you know, I learned from it. So I just got to watch my friends I'm hanging around. So with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, do you see yourself as a receiver, a receiver returner, a returner, or does it really matter? <laughs> uh, wherever they kind of plug me in at, you know, I'm a receiver as well. I'm Everyone knows I can return the ball, so that's going to come with it. Um, but I do, I mean, I like returning because everyone knows where the ball's going. Everyone knows who's getting the ball, you know, and it's, it's time to, you know, flip the field and make a play. So I definitely get excited about return game. I mean, and as far as this offense and, and learning the receiver stuff, it's plenty of space as far as getting open. You know what I mean? you got plenty of running room, and, I mean, I love that. Lucky's kind of a cool name, but I thought the uncle who gave you that, Ralph Alito, that, that, that's got some cachet to it as well. Yeah, yeah, see, you did your homework. I like it. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, but, yeah, Lucky's been, been my name since I've been since since birth, you know, and that's what I go by. How did you, was it just a spur-of-the-moment thing, or how did your uncle come up with that name for you? Yeah, he kind of just came into the delivery room, uh, found out what the room was, and kind of came into the room and asked my mom where Lucky was. And my mom was like, who was that? Like, who's lucky? And uh, it kind of stuck from there. So it was a little joke, but it kind of it stuck stuck with me. There's one final question for you, and that is, you know, everybody has such interesting stories. And I think you might be the only guy here who has ever had your dog kidnapped <laughs> and you were asked for ransom. Yeah. But how did that play out? Uh, Tell me it wasn't your close friend that did no, no, that. No, no, no. So I was, uh, it's funny because I was in Miami. I was with a friend for a birthday. And, uh. And I had got a couple just block block calls, and then my my boy that was supposed to be watching my house had uh, asked me if I sent someone to the house to to pick up the dog. And his name is Blitz. Yeah, my dog's name is Blitz. Yeah, yeah that's my guy. Yeah. But um, I kept just getting calls and like how much you love this dog and blah blah. And uh, it was like, well, if you want the dog back, you gotta pay like I think it was like ten grand. I forgot what it was. And I was like. Man, this can't be real type stuff. Uh, I left Miami that day, flew back to Dallas, and I kept getting calls, but they kept, they would never say who they were. Or they, they never, I was like, okay, I got the money. Let's meet up now, but they never, you know what I mean? So I was, I was always a waiting game. And, uh, you know, I was, as far as the attachment me and that dog had, it was, you know what I mean? It got real crazy over the, I mean, over the time that I had him. It was probably, he was probably like eight months at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad I it was I was able to get them back, you know, unharmed, and I didn't pay no ransom. So, yeah, I mean, it got cleared up pretty fast once I got home, and once it hit social media, you know, a lot of the fans helped me out and stuff like that. And the guy that that everyone said had it, the, the video that came out, I had spoke with him, and it was kind of a publicity stunt for him. He wanted to get his music out there, and I was like, what, well, whatever the case may be. I mean, I just it was just a mess up situation, and I was just. Just glad I got my boy back, you know what I mean? <laughs>
With Michael Thompson, uh, one of the uh, players who's looking to make an impression here in the defensive backfield. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, the coaching staff, they didn't waste any time putting you guys to work today, did they? Yeah, they sure didn't. Um, you know, just the, the rule changes, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely an adjustment. So we just have to come out here and just try to adjust as fast as we can. You know, today was, you know, especially a strain for the defense because we've never seen receivers run at us before like that. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely – you know, challenging, but I feel like a good group of guys, we can definitely get it done. Is waggle now a six-letter word in your vocabulary? Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I don't even want to say that word. Yeah, it's still, you know, it's, it's, it's still coming into fruition that I'm playing in the CFL. You know, just a, a grateful opportunity for me. But, you know, like I said, it's the rule changes. I just got to gotta adjust and get it done. Yeah, if, if you didn't know your pedigree, if you just looked on Wikipedia and saw you were born in Italy, you'd think, oh, this is one of those CFL 2.0 guys. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. But, yeah, you know, military kid, so right. moved around a little bit. Um, shoot, I guess it, it fits for me, you know, moved on a little bit. And now I'm grateful to play in the CFL, so. Yeah, just for a little bit of background, uh, Mikhail, uh, you were born in Naples, Italy, and I think you spent some time in, in England as well, uh, but your formative years were basically in San Antonio, correct? Uh, yeah, um, so after England, we moved to Georgia for roughly three, four years, and then we moved to Texas in 2002, and we've been there ever since. Uh, and you had a chance to play for the Texas Longhorns, so that was not a bad thing. I sure did. You know, the big rave when I was coming up was, you know, Vince Young and, you know, me being the type of guy that I was coming up, um, I wanted to model my game after him. So it, it was it was it was sad that I was going to Texas. Yeah. And you were a quarterback in your high school days, were you not? A, a running quarterback, too, by the <laughs> looks athlete. of it. I was, I was an athlete with the ball, really. Right, so, yeah, you know, yeah. just, you know, doing what I can to help my team at that time. So when did you make the decision to uh, become a defensive back slash corner safety, or was that decision made for you? Uh, it was a mutual decision. Um, going into college, I knew that I wouldn't – it was less likely for me to play quarterback in, in college, and honestly, I really didn't want to. Um, so, you know, Texas recruited me as an athlete um, after my – all-star game um, my senior year in high school uh, I had a chance for a little bit to possibly play both ways but you know the numbers game it didn't work out but yeah. <laughs> I definitely would like the ball in my hands at some point though that's the life of a football player for sure uh, I found it quite interesting you were taken totally out of the blue uh, in the draft uh, in 2015 by the Giants in the fifth round but you ran into some bad luck early in your pro career didn't you yeah I wouldn't say it's totally out of the blue definitely not out of the blue uh, you know I said that just because I'm hard on myself. And, okay, because you know, the stories yeah. and the quotes yeah, I read were I'm that hard you were myself. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. So you know, me being, you know, looking at my stats. So and, really, uh, you yeah. did think you were going to yeah, get drafted? Of course, yeah. of course. I thought I was going to get drafted. Just no matter when I was going to get drafted. But you know, me being the the hard guy that I am on myself, I was like, shoot, didn't really have you know a productive senior year. So let's just get ready for free agency, just to be you know a, a, a stickler about everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I sure did. Um, it, the injury bug caught me at uh, at one of the best times. Um, tore my Achilles my first preseason game my rookie year, and then um, tore my PCL my first active game the next season. And after that, it kind of just lingered because it was both on the right side. So between the Giants and now here, what uh, what have you been doing with your life? Uh, just working out. I spent a little time with the Saints too, so that that helped as well. But yeah, just just working out, just keeping my head up. You know, it's 
this 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 profession is definitely a grind. It can definitely take a, a mental toll on you. Um, just seeing you know all your guys, you know everybody just playing, and you know you wanting to be out there. It's just it's tough, but um, shoot, just you gotta just be grateful for the opportunities you get and make the best out of them. Gotta ask you uh, just out of curiosity, M Y K K E L E is how your name is spelled. Is there any backstory to that? Is there a famous relative, or did it have any meaning to the family? My mom. I, I don't okay. know. I, I'm just running with. It. I haven't asked too many questions about it. All I know is my name, and you got to ask her the the background story on it. Monday night in Portage, the Terriers won their eighth MJHL title in the last 12 years. It's incredible the run they've been on, thanks to a 3-2 overtime win over Swan Valley. It was an instant Game 7 classic in what really was one of the great Turnbull Cup battles ever. Overtime hero was Reese Henry, who joins me now. And Reese, before we get into what happened on Monday, you're from Regina, so how did you end up playing hockey in Portage? Well, actually, last year... Uh, my buddy who plays for Janet Pack Canadians, and he he was getting scouted by Portage, and he kind of referred me to this team. And I just looked at all the accomplishments that this team had, and a good coach like Blake Spiller, and I thought it was the best option for me to come to. How would you characterize your first season in Portage? I think it was awesome. Uh, definitely all that I expected. Uh, you come here, you expect to win. Uh, we have a really tight group group here, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's been really awesome. So you get to the final, you get the Swan Valley Stampeders, the top two teams in the league. Did you expect a long seven-game series? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, they're a great team. They got a, they got a lot of old guys on their team. I think they have eight 20-year-olds, so they're, uh, they're definitely experienced, and they got some very deep teams, so we definitely expect it's going to be a tough series, so. Yeah. So after game five, you lose that heartbreaker, triple overtime game on home ice. What is the attitude of the team going up to Swan River for game six? Just bounce back. I mean, we all said there's really only one option that was to win that hockey game. There's uh, nothing else is going to happen. You're just going to go in there and win game six, and that was it. And you that did. was the attitude right group had, and we did that, so. Yeah, you did it. You got the win, and then so that was a Thursday night, and then you have to wait until Monday to play Game Seven. What was that layoff like? Was there a lot of kind of anxiety building? What What were the few days like leading up to Game Seven? For sure, obviously, uh, three days off. It was pretty. Uh, I was definitely pretty nervous. Uh, not a lot of sleep most of the night. So, but yeah, obviously, Game Seven, you're pretty excited to get going. So three days is definitely tough to be taken off, but. What was the environment yeah. like at Puck Drop for Game 7? Unbelievable. Uh, special feeling. Uh, start, being able to start in that game, too, with 2,200 fans, all uh, loud and proud, so it was awesome. You get the lead. It's 2-1. You're holding on to that 2-1 lead for a lot of that game through the second into the third period. Did you ever feel like you could be comfortable with a 2-1 lead? Did you feel like you could hold on to that? I mean, you can never really be too comfortable with a one-goal lead because all it takes is one shot. But I think we were the way we were playing. I thought we were we were pretty comfortable going into it and having that one-goal lead. We're a pretty good defensive club, so I think uh, I think we were all pretty comfortable. But one-goal lead, you can never be too comfortable, obviously. So. And as we saw, Swan Valley tied it with just seconds to go. What was the mood in the locker room heading into overtime? 
Uh, well, after that goal, that score, we were obviously we were all in shock. I think, but uh, we were all on the bench, and I think we just uh, we were saying, "No, let's, let's just go and do this." We just need one shot, and and uh, we were champions. So that's kind of the that's the mood that we had on the bench there. So. And it was you that proved to be the overtime hero. Did you ever envision yourself in that spot when you were younger, scoring the winning goal in Game 7? Obviously, that's stuff that you do about there as a kid. And uh, even the nights before, uh, Saturday night there, I think uh, just three, like in my sleep, I was dreaming about scoring goals like that and just making a big play in Game 7. That's what you live for. So it was definitely awesome. So take me through the play that led to the game-winning goal. What happened, and how did you get to the net to score it? So the puck squirts out in our own end to their D-man, and I'm just trying to get in the lane, get a block shot. Uh, get it off the shin pads, I see it squirts out to the far blue line. I'm just fast I've ever skated in my life to this puck. I left the guy sick, and then I'm... So I'm right in. I'm thinking this, the other D line is going to cut me off at the net, but he he stayed in front of the net. So I just I'm like, okay, I'll take this right in, and I just went to the back end, wide open net, and there it was. So unbelievable feeling. Do you remember the seconds after that goal, or is it all kind of a blur now? Oh no, I remember it vividly. The whole sequence. Definitely, I'll never forget that. One of the best moments of my life so far. And so you get to win it on home ice. The crowd's there going crazy. But it's not over yet. You've got a series coming up, the Anavet Cup, and you're from Saskatchewan. So what's it like now being on Portage, taking on a team from your home province? It's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, uh, the staff teams, they're pretty rough and tough, and uh, they're also an older team. So it's going to be good. It's going to be a good series. I think uh, they got a good goalie there. So uh, we're going to have to try to solve him, but... I think uh, I think we're the boys are ready to go. That's for sure. Did you get a lot of congratulatory messages after you scored the winning goal on Monday? Yeah, my phone uh, blew up pretty good there. A lot of all my buddies from back home and uh, pretty much everyone you can think of that's uh, that I'm involved with pretty much gave me a text. So yeah, it was awesome. Do you have the puck? Um, no, I don't. I think it's in our dressing room actually. Okay, well, but, as long as someone has it. Yeah, some will be out of that for sure. Okay, Reese. Well, I appreciate your time, Reese. Um, best of luck in the Anavet Cup, which starts Friday. And uh, again, congratulations on the big goal and the big win Monday. All right, thank you very much. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes.